The following message is from LifeSource Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about LifeSource is available at lifesource.org.au. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Matthew chapter 7? I want to talk to you about the fact today that if you are a Christian and if you obey God's word, you will be invincible. How many of you think that's a good thing to say? I'm invincible. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm invincible. You've got to say it with that accent for it to really, to really, I'm invincible. Wow. But there's conditions to invincibility. And I'm going to share with you what those conditions are. Fact is that every single one of us confronts trials, temptations, tests, and tempests. How many of you know that? How many of you know that, that even the queen has her trials, her tests, her tempests, her temptations? How many of you remember the, the, the Christmas speech that she gave a few years ago where, that she entitled it, Annus Horribilis? You remember that? Annus Horribilis. Now, for those of you that don't know Latin, you might be wondering, what in the world is Annus Horribilis? It's Latin for horrible year. So how many felt incredibly encouraged when the Queen had a horrible year? Don't know why, I don't know why I feel encouraged, but, but you know, the fact is that even the Queen of England can be storm-battered. The fact is that every single one of us will confront storms. Every single one of us will confront temptations. I, I, I want us to look at two parables this morning. I want us to look at the parable of the two houses, the two homes, and then the parable of the four soils. Parable of two homes, the parable of four soils. And it's just a little glimpse into the teachings of Jesus in regards to commitment to God's word. So I've been doing a fresh study of the parables. There's about 40 or so parables in the New Testament. And what I've noticed is about a third of the parables directly relate to obedience to God's word. Obedience to God's word, just this commitment to God's word. Can I just say that one of the greatest things that we can ever do is be committed to God's word. It's not about just knowing the Word of God. It's actually obeying the Word of God. Because there's a lot of people that know the Word. There's a lot of people that do study in the Word. But do they obey the Word? Do they follow the Word? Do they do the Word? You know, James talks about uh, hearers of the Word versus doers of the Word. Are you a hearer only or are you a doer? Because a third of the parables reflect on being doers of the Word. And I really believe that those who do the word of God, that do the will of God, that do the ways of God, are the people who come through their storm invincible. And so here's this parable in James chapter, in, in, in Matthew chapter 7. And contextually, it's found at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's probably the most significant sermon that's ever been preached on the face of the earth. It was Jesus coming to preach about what the culture of heaven is all about, what the culture of God is all about. 
And as a God lover, I want to absorb the culture of God. I want, I want to have my father's culture as my culture. And a culture is something that comes natural to you. It's the way we do things. And, and to have the culture in my spirit so that I automatically respond the way that God would respond, it's got to be one of the goals of life for Christians. Would you say that's your goal, to be just a reflection of your Father in heaven? Because that's what Jesus came to teach. And so he, right here, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, this is what he says in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine, and then goes, and does them. It's not just hearing, it's doing. How many of you know that you can come to church and hear, but that's not enough? You can come to church and memorize, but that's not enough. You can come to church and take down all the notes, but that's not enough. You can come to church and be able to re-preach what I've preached, but that's not enough. There's an addition to that, and does them. Everybody say, and does them. Okay, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall before it was founded on the rock. See, this is what Jesus was saying, that the foundation of your life is reflected upon your commitment to obedience to God's word. Then it gives the flip side, the other house. So this is the one who hears the sayings of mine, who hears the word of God and does not do them. So, he, so th- this is the difference. Both heard. Both were in the place of hearing. Both absorbed the information, the teaching. One did, the other didn't. That's the difference. And so it's likened to a foolish man who built his house on sand. Come on, you need to get this. Disobedience to God's word, the Bible classifies that as foolishness. Bible calls those who disobey God as foolish people. Come on, let me emphasize it again. This is what the Bible says. If you obey his word... You're full of wisdom. If you disobey God's word, you're full of foolishness. So what's the goal in life? Do you want to be wise or do you want to be foolish? Because the difference is based not on what you know, but on what you do. Because there's a lot of people that know a lot of things, but they don't do what they know. And the Bible likens it to the foundation of your life. So, and what's fascinating is that to both people, this is is so fascinating because these passages are absolutely identical except for one thing. They're identical because both of them were in a place of hearing. Both of them were in a place of storms. Both were in a place of building houses. Everything's identical except for one thing. The obeying. That's the only thing that's different in these two people. The only thing that's different is obeying. One obeyed, the other disobeyed. And the point is this, that when the storm came, the obedient one, invincible. 
the disobedient one crash. So, so what, what do we learn out of this? We learn, number one, here it is, that God's word enables us to survive storms. That's what, that's what this teaches us, that God's word enables us to survive storms. Can I just say emphatically that you can't build to stop a storm, but you can build to survive a storm. Storms you can't stop, but storms you can't survive, depending on how you build. And so, and so I, you know, I, I don't live life thinking that I can stop the storms. Matter of fact, I've got no idea when a storm's going to come. I've got absolutely no idea. One of the biggest storms that happened in my life was when I got the phone call in, in 1997 that my father had passed away. Let me tell you, that was just such a left field storm. That just knocked me for a six. I mean, you know, you've you got to understand that when this happens to you and, 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 you know, one day it will. You know, it's probably a good thing to survive your parents. It's probably not a good thing for your parents to survive you. But one day you get the call that the person that's always been there from the day you were born is no longer there. Yeah. And it just knocks you for a six. And, and the thing that happened to me in this storm was it wasn't just the sadness for me, but it was such a sadness for my mother because... Just a few weeks before, she got the notice that from Italy that her father had died. And so we're talking just a few weeks before, um, four weeks before, she got news that her dad had died. And so my mother was just grieving the death of her father. And then four weeks later, right in her arms, my father passes away. He just he gets a massive aneurysm, a massive heart attack. They're just in bed together. He turns to her and he calls her name and calls her Palma. And then, bang, he's gone. And so she just was beside herself. And so so then, then it wasn't just the death of my father. Then it was the journey of my mother is now a widow. And she doesn't want to come to Sydney to live with us. She wants to stay in Newcastle and live by herself because she's still got ministry there and she still feels that she's young enough to continue ministry. And it's like, how do I leave her alone? You know, it's just a tough thing. And so we got these storms and it just seems so so tough. And then, you know, dad passed away on the 9th of October. And I can still remember my first Christmas without my dad. And, and it was just, I just cried all the way through that Christmas. You know, it was just a really tough Christmas. Everybody was happy and I'd be happy until I'd think about my dad and then I'd start to cry. And, and it's, it's a journey. It's a storm. But you know what? That storm has passed. We've worked out how to do life now without my father. We've worked how to do life with my mother as a widow. I phone her every day. Matter of fact, this morning I phoned her. Hey, mum, how are you? We asked the same question. Did you sleep well last night? Are you feeling cold? It's okay. It's okay to ask the same questions because one day there might be a different answer, but it's okay to ask the same questions. But the fact is, so as soon as the phone rang this morning, she picks it up. Hello, son. I said, does, does, does your phone have a sun ring on it? Does it... <laughs> You know, and so she says, nah, who else is going to phone me up at this hour of the morning? And uh, have you drank your coffee yet, mum? Yeah, I've had my second cup. That's great. Uh, that's awesome. Keep it in the family. <laughs> Except she drinks the dregs. 
So when she comes to my place, she says, John, you have the coffee first. And then once you've had your coffee, whatever's, you just keep the machine going and I'll have that really watery, horrible stuff. I said, why would you want to do that? I'll give you, no, she says, the, the weak one is the one I want. I said, that's okay, but I hate that stuff. That's fine. I, that's, anyway, point. This is, as soon as I get into coffee, I get sidetracked. It's ridiculous, huh? Huh? Just the whole thing of coffee gets me going. And the, the point that I'm making is this, is that storms come and storms go. And so when I was in the middle of that storm, it just seemed like it would never, ever end. The pain of it seemed forever. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, for, for probably the next two or three Christmases, I'd cry every, every Christmas when I think about dad, you know. Every Father's Day, you know, I'd be crying thinking about my father. There was just, just the storm just kept, kept on, kept on, kept on. But it's over now. It's finished now. We've, we've, we've worked a way out. We've found the new normal. You know, the, it was difficult to find the new normal after the storm, but now we've got the new normal. We've worked it out, how to do life now without my father. We've worked it out. It took a while to work it out, but we're still here. And then one day what will happen is that it'll be my time to go and my kids will work out, you know, their new normal without their dad. But that's the way that it's happened since Adam. It's just the way of life. It's just the way of life. And we've got to understand that while we're on this planet, storms will come and storms will go, but you will survive the storm if you founded on the word of God. I love what Paul says in Romans 8.37. He says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ. He there, he there, absolutely defined what it means to be invincible. We are more than conquerors. We're invincible. And, you know, how many of you know what it means to be more than a conqueror? Do you know what it means to be more than a conqueror? Okay. Drew, come up here. Okay. So, so this is what happens. We're fighting. Okay. Okay. So um, so I get to win because I'm Jesus and Drew is the devil. So I get to win. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> oh, that look. Oh. <laughs> that look. And so, so what happens is this, is that I get to win. I'm the champion. I'm the conqueror. And what happens? How many of you know that when the conqueror wins, the conqueror gets the crown? Okay? And so the crown of it is then given because I've won. And so what happens then is that I go as the conqueror and I give it to my princess. And I say, he's the victor's crown. I'm the conqueror. He's the defeated one. She's more than a conqueror. Because she didn't even get into the fight, and yet she gets the spoils of the victory. Come on, that's what Jesus has done for us. Give me five, Drew. Very good, man. You're a great loser. (laughs) More than a conqueror. And that's what we are. We are more than conquerors through Christ, who's won the battle on our behalf and has given us the victory. But the Bible never says 
that we're not going to have storms. And so Paul, in that scripture, in verse 35, actually talks about the seven storms that we face. Storms of tribulation, storms of distress, storms of persecution, storms of famine, storms of nakedness. I find that one difficult. The storms of nakedness. It's like, whoop, there goes all my clothes. Woohoo! Okay. I don't know about you, but I've never had that storm hit me. <laughs> Peril and sword. I haven't even had the storm of swords hit me. You know, I haven't come that close to, to the sword. But the fact is that poor old Paul did. He had all these storms, but he survived. He survived because he was focused on God and obeying his word. And I, I want to say to you that you will survive too if your focus is on God and obeying his word. Doing it, doing it, doing it, doing what God asks you to do will cause you to survive every single storm. The storm will come, the storm will go, the storm will pass away, but God's word will last forever. Come on, can anybody say amen to that? Second parable that I want to bring to your attention is the parable of the four soils. The first parable says that God's word enables us to survive storms. The second parable found in Matthew 13, verses 3 to 9, the parable of the four soils, tells us that God's word enables us to be fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. See, I don't only want to survive. I want to be fruitful. I want to go beyond surviving. I want to, be, I want to move into fruitfulness. And so fruitfulness is, is, is one of the incredible gifts of God to those who obey his word. And so let's let's read this passage, this famous parable. I'm sure that you've read it at least a thousand times. It goes this in verse 3. It says, Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, the fact is, it's a beautiful story, but hardly anybody understood it, including the disciples. And so later on, they, they, they're sitting around and having a bit of a debrief. And the disciples say to Jesus, hey, uh, can you explain to us the parable of the four soils, the sower and the seed? Can you ex-? And so Jesus begins to explain that, that the seed is the word of God. That's what Jesus begins to say to them, that, that the seed is the, the word of God. And what happens is that the word of God falls on some people and it's like falling on hard ground. It's like falling on hard soil. So, so you, you understand that wherever there's a pathway, people tread on it and, it. and because they tread on it, the whole soil becomes hard. And so when the seed falls on hard soil like that, it just bounces off. It just bang. It just sits on the surface. It doesn't penetrate. And the birds of the air just come and just snap it all up. How many of you know that? that there are some people exactly like that. They are the God rejectors. They just, they don't get it. It's like the word of God just bounces straight off them. Matter of fact, the enemy makes sure that he just, just sucks it out, just 
God rejectors, and they're just not ready. Can I? How many of you know some God rejectors? Probably at school and work. They're they're just there. They just don't believe. They just ridicule the word of God. They just, just for them, this is just a book of fairy tales. What you believe in the Bible? What is the matter with you? What you don't believe in the Bible? What is the matter with you? That's my response. Not you believe in the Bible. What's the matter? What you don't believe in the Bible? What's the matter? So what do you believe in? You believe in some man-made stuff that constantly changes. Name me one textbook that stays in print for more than 100 years. It's all out of print. Why? Because whatever was said then, someone's proved it's wrong. It just keeps changing, keeps changing. Do you go to university and they have a textbook that's 50 years old? No. Why? Why? Why not? But how many, how many of you know that we've got a Bible here? That's thousands of years old and it's never changed because it's God's word and it's unchangeable. And it still changes lives today. And it's still the, it's still the world's number one bestseller. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? That's beautiful. Last week we had a choir of Chinese people singing and uh, most of them were unchurched, never been here before, but they all wanted a Bible. And so we gave them all a Bible. And guess what? We had just enough Bibles for every single one of them. Coincidence. <laughs> Ooh. Huh? How awesome is that? Just anyway, so, so the heart saw, bang, God rejectors. It just disappears. Can I just say to you, if you have a friend who's a God rejector, just pray for them. Yeah. That God softens their heart. That their heart, that just the word just keeps bouncing off, will just be softened. And so they'll come to a point where it'll just soften up. So then it talks about the second type of soil, which is the rocky soil. So this is, this is where it actually, the word goes in and it penetrates and it's like, woohoo, I get it, this is awesome. But then they get confronted with storms. They get confronted with difficulty, trials and tribulation and persecution. Their friends start saying to them, you're not one of those Christian people, are you? Well, yeah, well, actually, yeah, I've only just been going for a little while. And, yeah, yeah, and they back down. Come on. Don't be so shaky. Don't be so weak-willed. Don't. Jesus went to the cross for you. What, you're not able to face a little persecution for him? He wore a crown of thorns for you. What, you're not able to, to have someone... Poor old Peter confronted this, you know, and Jesus, no, I don't know. How many of you know on the, on the crucifixion night, he's backing down. He was even shaky. Hey, Bible says that there are certain people that just are going to drop the ball. Don't you be one of those people. Don't you be one of those people. Don't you be one of the statistics. Don't you be one of these people that on that incredible day, Jesus is going to ask you, but you received the world. What happened to you? Well, I faced a bit of trial. I faced a bit of persecution. A few people laughed at me and I backed down. Well, you just missed out on eternity because a few people laughed at you. See, that's what happens to the shaky people. It's rocky soil. There's no foundation. There's no depth. And just with a bit of a push, a bit of a shove, they're out of the kingdom. Then there's the third soil. The third soil is thorny soil. Now, the thing with thorny soil is that this is good soil. This is soil where there's depth. It's not like rocky soil or hard soil where there's no depth. This has got depth. 
And so they take off, man. These people, they really go for it. They take off. They wither the storm. Their root system gets strong, and they're going for it. And then all of a sudden, the distractions of life that the Bible calls the thorns start to choke them. And so so let, let me talk to you about the four distractions and, and the four distractions, you've got to read the story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke to get the four distractions. Because this parable is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so, and so the, the, the first two are mentioned the most. But then there's, there's a mention of a third and a fourth in Mark and in Luke. And so the first distraction is the cares of this world. How many of you know that, that this world requires us to do things? How many of you know, if you don't work, you don't eat? It's a big deal. It's, it's, you know, basically, if you don't put a roof over your head, you're going to get cold. There are certain things that you've got to do in this world to survive, okay? So the Bible calls them the cares of this world. But there's a balance. You can still obey God and take care of your family. It doesn't have to be either or. Why does it have to be either or? It can be both and. Both and just understand this that there is 24 hours in every day, everybody gets the same 24 hours. Whether you're the richest person in Australia or the poorest person in Australia, God gives both 24 hours. It's what you do with it that determines whether you're successful or your failure. Some people just waste their 24 hours, some people are just, just spend their 24 hours doing. Nothing. Other people spend their 24 hours and they've got it worked out. They've got schedules. They've budgeted their time properly. They're the people that are successful. Come on, let, let me ask you a question. How ordered are you with your time? Are you ordered with your time? How ordered are you with your finances? How ordered are, are you with the things of life? Or do you just get tossed to and fro with every whim? Because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing what you can do when you budget your time and you budget your money. It's an amazing thing what you can accomplish when you budget your time and budget your money. Come on, I'm going to say it one more time just so that you get it. It's an amazing thing what you can do when you budget your time and budget your money. Too many people are time wasters and money wasters because they haven't budgeted. And so what happens then is that you become more susceptible for the cares of this world if you don't budget properly. Another big distraction is the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. Where where the riches of this world, it's I gotta get it, I gotta have it, I gotta have it, I gotta have more money, I gotta have more money. Can I just say to you? If you live in Australia, you are amongst the richest people in the world. Hello. Do you know that, that 80% of the world's population lives on less than $10 a day? And 50% of the world's population lives on less than $2 a day. So if you are living on more than $10 a day, in other words, if you get more than 70 bucks a week, you're in the top 20. Top 20% of the world. Isn't that awesome? How awesome is that? But yet what happens is that we're never happy. We need more. We need a bigger, a better, a higher, a newer. And the Bible calls this the deceitfulness of riches. Then there's another thing that in, you find it in Mark 4 verse 18. The desire for things. The desire for things. The things. The things. The things. 
the latest thing, the things. Oh, what a trap that is. I want the latest thing. I want the latest computer. I want the latest knickknack. I want the latest, the latest, the latest, the thing, the thing. It always comes out. Can I, can I just say to you parents, how many of you parents there are, be careful that you don't get your kids hooked on things. You know, let me tell you, the worst thing you can do for your kids is give them everything they want when they want it. It's the worst thing because they actually go through life hooked on things. And all that I've discovered is that things never satisfy. Huh? Things never satisfy. My goodness. There, there's, there's always... Ha, come on. How many of you are old enough to remember color televisions? <laughs> when I was a kid growing up, we had black and white television. I can still remember on the, at the Newcastle show when they actually had a color television... I couldn't believe it. I looked at a color television and I thought, that is amazing. Totally analog. Ah, You know, blurry, because back in Newcastle in those days, you had to have big antennas to get Sydney. uh, But these days, it's got to be, you know, the latest high definition. Not, Not just high definition now, it's ultra high definition now it's 4k and it'll be pretty soon it'll be 4 trillion you know before you know it it's like no this is last year's technology this used to it just got that little bit better pixel quality and it's like no this is things this is things go to Vanuatu for four weeks and find out the meaning of things as opposed to the meaning of relationships and people and don't ever get caught in the exchange of relationship for things. Because I'm telling you, things fall over. Things lose meaning. Things break down. But there are precious things in life that really make the difference. And, and, and what happens is that people exchange the, the kingdom of God I mean, Anne caught someone just the other week. How come I haven't seen you in church for months now? Oh, you know what I've got to do? I've got to get this for my family and I've got to get this thing for my chance, son. And, and it's like the pursuit of things at the abandonment of God. You know, let, let me tell you what it says in Matthew 6.33. Here it is. Are you ready for this? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, but it doesn't stop there. How does it finish? And all these things will be added to you. Come on. You keep, you keep the things out of your heart and God will make sure they're in your hands. But don't put the things in your heart. Because if you put the things in your heart, then you've absolutely made them the idol and you've misplaced God. Come on. I, I, I need to finish off. And finally, there's the pleasures of life. And that's another thing that people pursue. That's found in Luke 8.14. Then finally, there's the good soil. And the good soil are the people who obey God. The people that are the God lovers. The the, the people that have just made God their passion, God their desire. They're They're just pursuing after God. Can I just say that 40 years ago, I made that decision. Just as a 16 year old, I'm 56 now, 40 years ago, I was 16 years of age. And I just, I just decided that I was going to quit 
sort of being half in and half out. I was going to quit sort of going to church every Sunday, but not doing, being a hearer of the word, not a doer of the word. Let me tell you, mate, back in those days, we used to have quizzes and I'd know all the answers. We used to, you know, find Bible verses. Man, I was the quickest to find a Bible verse. You know, all those things. But, but I was a hearer of the word, not a doer of the word. But when I was turned 16, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I became passionate for the things of God. I became a God lover. It was like, whatever you want, God, I'm willing to do. I'm pursuing you with a passion. Pursuing you. Can I just say, 40 years later, the passion hasn't quietened. The passion hasn't dissipated. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that in 40 years, I've confronted a lot of storms. I've confronted a lot of tempests. I've confronted a lot of trials and temptations. But they're behind me. They're all gone. They're all gone. You know what? There's storms that I'm in now. There's storms that'll come later. But just as those storms and those giants behind me got trampled over the top of, I just walked straight over the top of them. Why is that? Because God said, John, if you follow me, I'll make you invincible. Whatever giant stands in front of you, you'll just smash through that. Whatever storm comes your way, you'll just smash through. Why? Because I'm with you. You just hang on to me and we'll get through this life together. You were designed to be invincible. Don't be distracted. Don't be dissuaded. Don't lose. Don't get depressed and lose this this connection with me. Stay focused on me. Obey me and I'll take you through. 40 years later, I'm still keeping through to the basics. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There's a storm that I'm in, but I'm hanging on to you. The storm will pass, but you won't pass. You're there forever. I'm invincible. I've been designed by God as an overcomer to live with him forever and ever. And that's the way that God wants you to live. Come on. When that thing comes into your life, don't Don't let it get you down. When that storm comes into your life, don't let it blow you off course. You stay on course. Stay holding on to God. Stay committed to his word. Stay obedient. Don't let the devil deceive you, but let God reveal to you his purposes and plans for your life. And you will stay invincible. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.